This is Around the Farm, the podcast about all things ag, and I'm your host, Rick Myra. On this episode, we're joined by John Miodeszewski, an environmental modeling scientist at Bayer who knows a thing or two about the weather. We're going to be talking about how last year's moisture can affect this year's planting. John's going to be helping us to understand what resources are out there for us to understand the weather as it comes to us, because as we all know, you can only predict it out so far. Excited to have John here to talk about the spring season and how weather is going to impact us in the south, the Corn Belt, and all the way into the north. Let's jump right in. Thanks for joining us, John. It's great to have somebody with your expertise here with us as we're starting to get ready for spring planting and trying to understand what curveball the weather is going to throw at us this year. Just so our listeners understand a little bit more about your background, tell us a little bit about yourself and uh, and how you became uh, uh, an expert on the weather. Well, I've been uh, interested in the weather since I was a little kid. Uh, I ended up coming up through geography and climate science, um, getting my degrees and my PhD studying Arctic climate change, and uh, and then I did some research for a few years after that in the same field, and uh, it wasn't until about two years ago that I, I came over to Bayer and really got my first exposure in agriculture. So now I'm, I'm uh, working at the intersection of, of weather and uh, weather data and plant breeding over in um, over in Bayer and um, really learning a lot in the last couple of years about how uh, how weather affects um, uh, plant breeding and, and also what some of the, the biggest concerns of farmers are when it comes to seasonal weather patterns. Well, that's awesome. You know, we uh, we were talking before we jumped in here into the booth, and, and you'd mentioned you're from the Baltimore area, an Orioles fan. So as all of our loyal listeners on Around the Farm know, there's got to be a sports mention in every one of these. But I just wanted to let you know, as a fellow inept baseball fan, you know, my, my team is the Chicago White Sox, which most people don't even know are in the major leagues anymore. I can feel your pain about how bad the Orioles have been basically since Cal Ripken retired. That's true. It's been painful, and it's been painful a lot longer than the White Sox. Uh, I, I can remember their their series in 2005. Seems like a lot longer time ago, um, but the Orioles have been uh, bad for a lot longer than that. It's a shame. Camden Yards, cool ballpark over there, a lot of rich history, great hats that they still wear, but uh, yeah, not so hot on the talent lately. <laughs> it's a great baseball city, and it'll be a great one again one day when they're we're finally a decent team again, but that's not this year. Let's get back to basics here and, and talk about what you're here to talk with uh, with our listeners about, and, and that's really the weather. And, and listen, we're coming off of a strange weather season for most of the folks that are in agriculture. The last season was unbelievably wet. It was unbelievably late, and it created a lot of challenges for folks. So I know when I'm out in the countryside and I'm talking to folks in the industry, there is a lot of consternation around, hey, What's this spring going to look like? You know, as you're sitting back and and looking at the data, from your perspective, what type of a spring do you think that we're in for in the Midwest, in the South, and, and in the North? So last year was very wet, uh, and it, it actually continued to be wet through the fall in a lot of locations and through the winter, especially um, further to the north. And that that tends to feed back on itself, um, in fact. So so we can't just forget about last year as much as we may want to. The atmosphere doesn't forget about it. So um, we have very high levels of soil moisture, especially across almost all of all of the country east of the Rockies, and that's going to be. Um, a problem for early in the spring and thinking about early planting. 
It does vary depending on the region. So right now we're thinking about planting, maybe even starting to plant in the south and the southeast. It's been pretty warm there, but it's also been pretty wet through um, through the winter and now into March. It's actually uh, it's it's starting to rain quite a bit again. So not only do we have very high levels of soil moisture. We're just not getting a lot of, of days that are suitable for field work right now. Further to the north in the Corn Belt, it's actually looking better than anywhere else. Uh, winter was fairly warm. It was not too much snow. Um, soils are drying out a little bit now. So the last couple of months, it's been drier. Uh, soil moisture is still above average, but at least it's below the 90th percentile, which is progress, unfortunately. We were in the 99th percentile for, for a while over a large area, which is pretty remarkable. So thinking about planting into April, it may get, um, we could certainly have some opportunities there. And then further north uh, in the northern plains, the Great Lakes, um, northern parts of the Corn Belt, the winter was more severe. Uh, the The snowpack for a while was was kind of concerning. We're, we were dealing with a lot of potential for river flooding, especially on the Mississippi and the Missouri River, which was really a big issue last year. And a lot of fields that were uh, in those floodplains uh, were not able to be planted because of that major flooding. That could be a concern again just because there's so much soil moisture throughout the Midwest. There is still a pretty thick snowpack hanging on uh, in the northern plains, but otherwise it's looking pretty decent. Um, so, so further to the north, again, the winter was more severe. Uh, it's looking like uh, March and April are on the colder side with, uh, you know, it's still winter. They're not thinking about uh, planting for a little bit anyway. So there's definitely time for things to get better, but um, it, it's still a concern to have maybe a repeat of, of last year in some ways. I know the river levels were a high concern for, for people that have those in their geography. Uh, you mentioned a couple of times that it's it's really been a wet winter to go along with what was a extremely wet summer. Uh, are there some specific things that, that folks should be watching out for or, or be concerned about if they're in proximity to, to a river or in the floodplain? I mean, you can monitor the uh, the flood gauges upriver, their flood forecasts, and um, just keep an eye on that, on, on rainfall in the area and rainfall upstream. But, um, you know, if it's going to flood, then, then it's going to flood, and there's not much you can do about that. So, again, the major rivers are looking like, um, especially Mississippi River Valley, are, are pretty high. They've been high all winter, and there's just a lot of, of water to, to come down through the system still. So, not much you can do about that, though. You know, with the the late harvest that we had, with how wet we were even into the winter, um, fertility became an issue, and the application of fertility became an issue for a lot of farmers. There's a lot of folks that are saying, hey, I'm going to have to do more spring applied, uh, more post-planting applied than than I've done in the past. Um, Anything for them to be watching out for here as we're walking into the spring and things to monitor around temperature, moisture, et cetera, et cetera? So as far as temperatures, things are actually looking pretty positive, um, especially in the south and the southeast for the next, um, actually throughout the early spring, um, uh, starting 
currently, really, it's it's been warmer, and we see no signs of uh, any persistent uh, cold outbreaks, late winter cold, as we've seen in the last couple of years. So this could be a, a different uh, spring in that sense. Uh, so it is looking warmer, and that means that there's the possibility of a longer planting season, you can get into the fields earlier, uh, and if you can't get in early, you can you have a longer period after that to get in. As far as rainfall, uh, unfortunately, it, it is looking uh, wet in most places in the medium to seasonal forecasting range, uh, and so that goes even into May um, with whatever kind of relatively small skill we have in predicting that far out, it does look wetter. And so one of the reasons that we're expecting a wetter spring is just because um, the soil moisture and the surface boundary conditions tend to feedback. It's just a positive feedback. There's more there's more water on the surface. There's more to evaporate and then precipitate and, and come back to the surface. So we're we're still dealing with a little bit of of last year in the wet yes. the wet winter is what you're saying that yeah. that kind of become, becomes a self fulfilling prophecy where the ground's wet we start to get spring moisture and it kind of feeds off of itself yeah and, and so that's what I mean when I say the atmosphere does have a memory and it's it's the same but the opposite effect of of that expression that drought begets drought if you're in a drought you know there's no moisture that's going to come from the ground so it just tends to continue to be dry. Um, so that can often be a problem late in the summer. It wasn't last year. It's, it's actually been the opposite problem, especially in the spring. So the question on everybody's mind is, coming off of last year again, you know, people are going to be itching to get into the field. They're going to be taking advantage of every window that they think that they've got available to them. If you're kind of projecting out and saying, hey, you're going to have windows or, you know, take them when you can get them, what, what would the early returns be? Should should folks be looking to get out there in the field when they have the opportunity and, and be on the early side? Or or would you project that this spring will be a little bit more normal where, where there should be some opportunities to get out into the field and, and get crop planted? I would expect this spring to be more normal than than last spring. I mean, if only because last spring was so abnormal. It's I mean, you can't predict a, a repeat of that. Certainly, we're not starting in the best place with uh, soil conditions, but there's really no reason to believe that there's just going to be these extended, prolonged periods of rain that keep farmers out of the fields throughout the spring. Um, the only reason not to get in the fields early, I think, is just for for risk of um, return to much cooler weather and, and a late freeze or frost, and that's really difficult to, to forecast. But otherwise, the earlier is typically better for yields. So I think that the the amount of time, the amount of opportunities will, will certainly be increased from, from last year. You don't need to be too anxious about getting in really early. There's no sign that it's going to be really wet through May and June as it has been the last couple of years. And it does look like it's going to be warm enough. Um, spring is already advancing a couple of weeks ahead of, of normal in the south. Uh, it's continuing to advance into um, Missouri. Kentucky, Tennessee now uh, ahead of normal. So if if it's if it's warm enough in the field and in the soil, then it's a good idea to get out there. 
So for those of our listeners that are really far up there in the north, right, that are uh, up in Minnesota, the Dakotas, and may still be underneath some snowfall as, as we talk here today, you know, what, what's the projection look like for them as you think about getting into that late April, May type of planting window? Um, anything fundamentally different from what you're, you're seeing for the rest of the Corn Belt? Not fundamentally. Um, the signal for warmer and wetter is not as strong up there, uh, especially in the shorter term. It looks like winter is going to stick around for for a bit, as it typically does late in March and in April. Um, it, it, we don't have the, as strong of a wet signal for uh, April and May up there, and um, and also not as strong for a, for a, of a warm signal, so it's it's tougher to say up there. Um, I think as long as the snow melts at a reasonable pace or or pretty early, uh, and we can get rid of that water and dry out the soil, there shouldn't be a problem. It's always the challenge of predicting the weather here in in North America, right? So, little bit of a crapshoot. There's there's some signs that we can read. You know, as you as you think about some of those bigger signs. You know, I, I obviously am not an expert on this, but is there anything from from El Nino or El Nino? Or I'm still trying to find out why all of these weather influencing occurrences have Spanish names. <laughs> but is there anything going on out there in the Pacific or the Gulf that uh, that is signaling anything for the for the season? Well, El Nino is typically brought up. Um, it it is probably the strongest um, forcing on medium to long range weather in in the mid latitudes. So, uh, El Nino is part of the what's called the Southern Oscillation. El Nino just refers to the warm phase of it, and La Nina is when it's uh, in its cool phase. So, they they tend to have very different effects. El Nino versus La Nina, and um, in the Midwest, it is usually a good sign to have an El Nino during the summer. It tends to keep it a little bit cooler and, and keep crops out of the heat stress. There isn't really uh, much difference in the spring. Uh, and the bad news is that this year it's really not anything. It's just in a neutral phase, so it's a really weak signal. It's going to be in a pretty neutral phase through the summer, so that doesn't help us at all. Um, there's really the other uh, the other forcings are are pretty weak, um, or they're a shorter scale. Unfortunately, there's just not much to go on. Um, so, so the primary uh, forcings that, that we're looking at for this spring and to a small degree into the summer are simply climate trends. I mean, uh, over the recent years, what has happened, uh, you know, we've been getting warmer in general, we, especially nighttime temperatures, especially in the summer. So that's why when you look at a, a summer outlook for this time of the year, it, it's almost always, you know, it's going to be above average. Uh, that's just because everything is getting warmer. And um, for the spring, uh, part of that wetness forecast is actually that the Midwest has been experiencing wetter springs in recent years. And um, for some more, you know, complex reasons, uh, it's, that's just, uh, we're just going to go with that forecast. That's kind of part of the, uh, the forecast that's put together in addition to that land surface um, boundary forcing. So you, you talked about some of the ways the the heat that we're seeing in the summer and, and how it's just becoming a trend that that's a little bit warmer. Mm-hmm. 
talk to our listeners a little bit about are are we seeing any any changes that that seem to be happening that are affecting kind of the way we would look at at uh, at maturities around crop or at, at how we would manage uh, manage crop just based on the fact that weather patterns may be shifting and and folks may need to pay more more attention to that than they have in the past. Well, from a climate perspective, some of the changes that we've observed have been, um, of course, the increase in daily temperature, again, especially uh, the daily low temperature. There has been a tendency for there to be more persistent droughts, more severe droughts, and also kind of uh, counterintuitively um, more severe flooding, so more intense rainfall. It's, it's, it's almost as if the atmosphere gets locked into certain patterns, just gets stuck there, and it's harder to break as it more so than it used to be. So we have observed more extreme events uh, in addition to just a a warming temperature. Uh, Now, how has that affected crops? I'm not too sure how it's affected, uh, for example, how how overall planting has occurred. And, you know, maybe um, some zones are are shifting northward, maybe not. I do know that... uh, the opportunity to start planting has has come sooner, even a few weeks sooner in some places, um, which is pretty substantial. And it's pretty important that people take advantage of that because if it's going to be hotter in the summer, you're, they're really trying to avoid the uh, the extreme heat of midsummer for the more vulnerable stages. Uh, so in corn and soy, you know, the reproductive um, stages of the crop are when they're pretty sensitive to extreme heat and drought stress. So certainly, um, it's always good to be to be planting early if if the opportunity presents itself. Um, and I think that 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 has been a change that we've seen. Weather tends to have the the greatest impact on the productivity of a crop in any given year. And and you sit at a cool intersection of environmental sciences and agriculture. What was it that uh, that brought you here, and and what is it that you enjoy the most about bringing those two disciplines together? Well, that is um, what I find to be most interesting about about agriculture with respect to weather, is because it's probably more vulnerable to um, just the vagaries of of weather patterns seasonally than any other uh, major industry. To me, that's it's really fascinating, and it's just different every year. It's different every day in every location, so it's really very challenging um, uh, to be able to to try and think about that and plan for the season, and, um, and it's very humbling, too, from a weather side. You know, you've, you've mentioned a number of times that, hey, we can, we can analyze the data best that we can, uh, make the best prediction that we can, but the reality is it's very difficult, almost impossible in some instances, to predict with absolute certainty what's coming in the weather. That said, as a guy who really understands this and follows it very closely, as we get closer to planting, what, what resources are out there that you'd recommend for some of our listeners to utilize to monitor um, soil moisture, the, uh, the, the amount of precipitation that we're expecting, or even soil temperatures or projected temperatures? So on the on the smallest scale with uh, with the field level, uh, if you do have field view and you have your your fields mapped to um, to field view, then 
that's going to be the best place to get um, your precipitation data, which is something that you really need to have on the finest scale. Um, so, so any farmer knows that um, things like rainfall and uh, storm impacts, that's going to vary a- across a very small area quite a bit. So you really need to have that resolved. You can't have, rely on um, a more generic, uh, just, just the airport weather station or something. Um, other things like temperature, uh, humidity, wind, that's not going to vary too much. You can, uh, you know, you can get away with using something else. But uh, for your forecasting, you know, whatever your favorite weather source or um, weather app is, is is probably just about as good as anything else. I will say that uh, there's not much uh, skill in going past a week to ten days in the forecast. So if you're, you know, if you're if you're a service is offering you three, four weeks of, of detailed, specific weather data, especially something like hourly weather data, you know, that's that's kind of a red flag there. Is there's, there's really almost no skill to weather forecasting at that length of time. So keep it to, you know, seven to ten days, and most sources are going to be, most professional sources are pretty good for that. And then, you know, if you want a higher level uh, look at uh, what's going on in the region, whether that's the soil moisture or uh, just the weather and effect on agriculture in general, uh, there tends to be a lot of good resources, but they're spread out around the the web. Um, I would say one good place to go for that that aggregates that pretty well and also adds some value is uh, the Midwest Regional Climate Center. Uh, or any of the regional climate centers, if if that's geographically outside of your area, the USDA uh, has weekly reports for for weather and crop updates. That'll give you the weather story for the for the last week, and uh, as well as you know, planting, harvest, crop stage updates for for all sorts of crops across the country. So you can um, you can keep up on everything with that. Uh, and then, I mean, really, I, I would recommend just um, starting with any federal agency, especially NOAA, but the federal government does a very good job of automating this data and getting it out there quickly for operational uh, usage. That's just your tax dollars at work. Um, we've we've uh, put a lot of money into Earth observation, uh, so there's a lot of data out there that's freely available, publicly available, and... Um, and quickly uh, updated. Well, good deal. You know, here's hoping that the weather decides to cooperate this year. Biggest impact in terms of the uh, the way the crop is going to produce. Hardest thing to predict. Um, it's what makes a- agriculture as challenging as it is. And, and it always impresses me how well our listeners are able to adapt on the fly and make the best of the, of the, uh, of the hand that they're dealt. So, John, thank you so much for joining us today and, and lending your expertise to, uh, to our listeners. Well, thank you so much. It was my pleasure. A special thanks to John for joining us today. I want to thank our listeners. We appreciate you downloading the podcast and listening in. Once again, this has been Around the Farm, brought to you by Climate Field View. Don't miss out on any of our previous episodes. You can find us on Apple Podcasts, Google Play, Spotify, Stitcher, or wherever else you get your podcasts. And if you want to be lazy, you can find us on climate.com slash podcast. Our best ideas still come from you. Give me a shout on Twitter with your thoughts. You can find us at the at FieldView Twitter handle and then use the hashtag FieldViewATF so we can find your tweets and we'll answer them on an upcoming episode. And while you're giving feedback, we won't turn down a five-star review. 
It's been a blast. And as always, we'll see you around the farm. <laughs>